Hey, welcome. You're listening to the Leader Like You podcast to inspire and help you get more of what you want more of the time with less hassle, less resistance, and more buy-in in all areas of your life. My name is Robert Kahn, coach, trainer, and consultant, also the creator of the Leader Like You method. I'm sitting down to bring you my thoughts and ideas and the lessons learned along the way and how to make a positive impact wherever you go. On today's pod, what I want to talk about is, that's a good question, thanks for that question. And I want to talk about other options. Next time you attend a presentation, have some fun. And observe how often, when a participant watching or listening asks a question, you might notice that the person to whom the question is directed responds with the following words. Thanks for that question, that's a good question. Which I call T-A-G-Q, T-F-T-Q. Then that person gets through the question and gets another question and then they repeat, oh, thanks for that question, that's a good question. Or thanks for that question, that's a really good question. As a matter of fact, I've noticed that's what most people say all the time. And I was thinking, why do people do this? Well, it it could be because we're actually grateful somebody asked a question. Maybe there's absolute silence and we're scared of silence. So somebody asked a question, we're thankful. Or maybe because our upbringing teaches us to be polite and say thank you. I'll accept that. Another more plausible reason might be because we just need time to buy before we actually answer the question and we jump into autopilot mode to do it. And what we've heard the most time is what we give back. Thanks for that question. That's a great question. So those are the benefits. It buys time and sort of sends out some thank you and gratitude. Let's talk about the costs. The costs for me outweigh the benefits. First of all, you're not there to judge the quality of people's questions. Secondly, you'd probably never say, No thanks for that question. Quite frankly, it's stupid and I'm horrified you asked it. So if we don't do it in the negative, then we wonder why we do it in the positive. So to rid ourselves of this T-A-G-Q-T-F-T-Q approach, let's just remember that this response, thanks for that question, that's a good question, has, for all practical purposes, outlasted its shelf life. Just nobody received the press release that told us that that is over. It's simply overdone and overused. Now, there's good news. There are other answers and other ways of responding. Here's a few suggestions how to prepare for and handle questions. First of all, you gotta prepare. Know your material. Have backup information nearby if needed. People are not looking for perfection. And if a statistic is buried deep in your backup material and you don't know if it's 17.2 or 17.8 and you don't really want to lead the person astray, though you know it's around 17%, you could actually look at them and say, I'm glad you asked, that's an important topic. I have my notes right next to me. I know it's around 17%, let me just check. I want to make sure I give you the right response. And then you have a license to quietly and calmly walk over, look at your material, nod, then look back at the person and say, 
Well, I am really glad you asked it because it's 17.9% or whatever it is. Okay. And then the second thing is, before you present, create what I call your NQL, the nasty question list. This is the list of the three worst questions, maybe five worst questions you might get. And then you create a plausible response to them. And you do need to rehearse these answers. Now, the thing is, in all likelihood, most people I train and work with tell me they don't get the worst questions. The questions they get seem to be easier. And I think what happens is you expect the worst, hope for the best. And while your brain knows I'm prepared for the worst, your brain then hears a question and says, "Ooh, that's easier than the worst question. So it knows how to answer. Third thing, when you get a question, pause, nod slowly while the speaker is asking you. That doesn't mean you agree. This type of slow nodding means I'm listening and absorbing. And you can even add in some active listening techniques, which is, mm-hmm, yeah, oh, huh, okay, 17%, right, okay, Q2, oh, yeah, in the next 12 months. So feel free to parachute in a couple of the words they're using. And sometimes we're far away from other people in the audience, and maybe the person asking the question doesn't have a microphone. Sometimes you therefore could repeat the question and paraphrase it. Sometimes you could even paraphrase it the way you want to answer it. So let's say you get this question from a person over in the corner who says, what's the rollout for in the next year? And you didn't really hear it. Confirm. Put your hand on your ear, lean forward, say, I don't think I heard the whole question. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. You want to know. Okay, got it. Folks, the gentleman over here is asking what the rollout strategy is going to be from Q1 to Q4 of this particular metric. And then you've repeated the question. Pause. Give your answer. And if you don't want more questions from that person, finish your answer while you look at somebody else and raise your hand like the Statue of Liberty and say, other questions. If you welcome more questions from this person, keep friendly eye contact with them after you've answered the question. If you have a challenger, I would encourage you want to step forward slightly to show control and use the leveler position. So you may want to watch some of my videos on my YouTube channel about gestures, hands out to the side. And if it's a challenger, make sure you never back up during the response or during the question because that is metaphorically giving up space. Four, ask yourself, do I know the answer to this? Is this germane to my presentation? If so, proceed. Several options that are not as out of style as that, thanks for that question, that's a great question, would be other versions. I'm glad that came up. Oh, that's a good opportunity to cover the following. Oh, I'm always pleased when I'm able to cover the important point. Let's look at what it means. And then the fifth thing is some techniques, flagging, hooking, and bridging. These are three key skills to master and use when responding to questions. Now, flagging, imagine it's a big motor race and they use that flag to show the race car drivers that they got to slow down. 
So you're flagging something to the, it's your sound bite, your key sound bite. This is what people write down. This is where the questions might be. And during your presentation, you can flag material by saying, so everybody, this is really important. And you'll see they'll write it down. Or you'll say, and the three key things you need to know are the following. Then they'll write it down. They'll probably ask about it. Or when you're done and you're getting ready to conclude, you could say, and remember, the bottom line is the following. This signals you're done. And it also signals it's important to listen. Then the hooking technique gets the questions where you want them. So what this means is you end an answer with a question prompt such as, and we have customers to prove it. I guarantee you'll get a question on this, so be ready and only use it if you can prove it. We have statistics that prove that's true. We have customers that prove it. Only use it that way. And then the third great technique is called bridging. So if you're speaking about industrial water pumps and somebody asks you about water usage in the Brazilian rainforest, you might agree that it is not exactly your topic. You therefore need to get cover on the islands of knowledge where you know something. It's called bridging. Literally creating a bridge between what you said, what you know, and not fall into the shark-infested sea of the challenging question by answering something you don't even know. My three favorites are, yeah, so building on what you just said, and then you add your own idea, even if it's totally another track, or that's not my area of expertise. You would be interested in knowing that, and then you do add your area of expertise, or while water usage in the Brazilian rainforest certainly is important, let's remember that industrial water pumps will help you save water wherever you are. And if you don't know, and you should know, be honest, because nobody expects you to be walking computer, you could say something like, gosh, you're asking why revenues went down by 10% when sales went up by 25%. Hmm, I should know this and it's not coming to me right now. I wanna be really a good presenter and best represent my material. Two options. I can stop here and look at my notes, or I can continue and get back to you at the end of my talk during the break. Which do you prefer? Ask the person asking the question. And if they say, why don't you get back to me at the break, do so. And if it's a highly important person in the room and the person says, well, I think we should stop the presentation. Stop the presentation. Go look at your notes, get back to them. Most of the time, you leave space at the end of the session for Q&A. Remember that the last thing you say impacts your audience and impacts their lasting memories. So end on a high note and make a final positive impression on that audience. The better prepared you are for Q&A, the better you do. Thanks for listening and share your comments, questions, discoveries, and how this works for you. You've reached the end of another episode of the Leader Like You podcast. Connect with us at leaderlikeyou.com. And don't forget to sign up to our mailing list to receive the newsletter and our free materials. See you at the next episode.